World's Finest Podcast, Episode 80. James Doe, and with me as always is Michael David Sims. Hello. How are you, sir? I am very, very good. And that's all you're getting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm doing pretty well myself. That is Uh, good. And uh, that's all you will get. So (laughs) let's just say I'm I'm, uh, doing pretty well because of uh, something I got in the mail today. Ooh. Uh, A hooker. I wish. Um,. Uh, let's see, I don't know what else. Uh, a hooker dressed as Guy Gardner. Oh, wait, that's what I'd want. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> we'll leave our listeners hanging. That's what we'll do. Yes, Ooh, exactly. Suspense. Both let's, of just, <laughs> yeah, let's just get to the emails. Let's do that. <laughs> we've got a ton of emails, of course. Now that we're on Titans, we've got six episodes per show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, let's just do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a text first today oh, from, yeah. from Glade, who writes... Hey guys, in episode 78, you were wondering how the hive turned the T into an H. Simple. They hired the construction company who built Riddler's Island Base in Batman Forever to do it. <laughs> hey, it works for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, in episode 79, James mentioned Spectacular Spider-Man. I actually have seen it, and I highly recommend it. The animation style throws you off, but once you're used to it, the series is quite amazing. As always, keep up the amazing work, and looking forward to the reviews, Titans Go! <laughs> Thank you, Glade. Next one is from Tony, who writes, Hey guys, I love your podcast. I'm currently working at a job as a pop culture examiner on examiner.com, where I routinely write pop culture reviews, mainly about movies, but I'm currently in the midst of a series of reviews of the numerous DCAU box releases. As of this email, I've just finished a review of Batman Beyond Season 2, and will soon be reviewing Season 3 and ultimately Return of the Joker. Every one of my DCAU reviews has ended with a link to both World's Finest Podcast and to Earth2.net. Yeah, in the email, uh, Tony then gave us a link to uh, uh, some, some of his writing, I think it is. So, uh, James, why don't you, I don't have it in front of me, why don't you rattle off that link? I mean, if he's given us free press, let's do the same for him. Okay. Uh, the email address is www.examiner.com, E-X-A-M-I-N-E-R. Dot com slash x dash the numbers four zero two one eight dash Fresno as in Fresno California uh, dash pop dash culture dash examiner and I believe the back half of that URL uh, is case sensitive right it's capital letters starting it out with each word yeah yeah what we'll do is we will post that in the uh, the feedback thread for episode eighty of World's Finest Podcast. So in case you didn't have a, ch- a chance to write that down, it'll it'll definitely be over at the forum. So yes, yes. Continuing the email here. Oh, by the way, James, I cannot tell you how awesome it was to hear you praise Avatar The Last Airbender in your last episode. It got me wondering what you guys were thinking about The Last Airbender movie coming out this summer directed by M. Night Shyamalan. I personally am looking forward to it and will not get myself tied up in the damned argument over the ethnicity of the main cast. My looking forward to this film has almost nothing to do with any possible rejuvenation of Shyamalan's career and everything to do with my love for this show. If M. Night screws this up, I don't even want to think about what fans are going to do to him. 
Well, I said this in the last, I, I guess it was the last one and I'll, I'll repeat it. It's cautious optimism leaning towards worry. <laughs> uh, because again, my biggest fear is that they're not going to have the humor that the show is, you know, so well known for. It's yeah. got great, great humor, humor writing. And I'm really worried they're going to leave all that out. Mike, to answer the question you asked during your review of Hereafter, the thing that Optimus Prime keeps in his chest is called the Matrix of Leadership. I'm rather surprised you didn't, you did not know this, uh, even in spite of your lack of knowledge of Transformers. The Matrix did recently appear in Revenge of the Fallen, after all. Well, uh, to be fair, I didn't see Revenge of the Fallen. I did see the first. And if you remember listening back to that episode, I was kicking myself. I did know what it was. But I couldn't remember the word. And then I think over at the forum, someone mentioned it. And I was like, oh, duh, or something like that. So, yes, yes. Thank you, though. And speaking of which, since you are a Starscream fan, I was wondering how satisfied you were with Starscream's portrayal or lack of portrayal in the Michael Bay films, as well as his character-defining relationship with Megatron. For my part, I regret that their relationship was always played primarily from Megatron's perspective, which makes Starscream look like nothing more than a sniveling, incompetent stooge that Megatron beats around and chastises all the time. We have yet to see any of the intelligent plotting Starscream that either talks back or outright betrays Megatron. Then again, I suppose if I were Megatron and Starscream did that to me, I would have killed him right on the spot instead of keeping him around. Lastly, I was wondering if there were uh, was any way you guys could produce a third type of T-shirt for the fans who are... Uh, undecided about whether Teen Titans is in continuity or not, or don't just don't care either way. Keep up the great <laughs> podcast, guys. Um, okay, let's see. Addressing the Starscream thing. No, I wasn't crazy about how it was portrayed uh, in, in the first film. So that's all I can really say about that, though, because I don't remember a whole hell of a lot of that first film, except that I didn't really like it. Um, let's see. The third shirt idea. Um yeah, I don't know what it would say. It could be just like don't care, doesn't matter. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Maybe I don't for- care, WFP rules. <laughs> Next one's from Reese or it's Amok and James. I love the episode switched and hate to make this comment, but Mofir the Puppet King tried to drop the male titans into the flame of Pytar. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah he did. <laughs> did those two whales in Deep Six Aqualad summoned uh, to stop the Titan sub from sinking look kind of green to you guys? They almost looked identical to when Beast Boy transformed into a whale. I realized that you didn't like the episode, James, but I love the fight between Aqualad and one of the Tridents when he pushes him into the underwater geyser. He's fried! Although, if Slade had revealed that his big bad guy plan was to release an army of Tridents onto Titan's tower, I would have rolled my eyes. In Masks, I was wondering why Slade was so weak in the Robin Slade fight, but I forgive it because it was a robot. Was it a robot? I thought that was actually Slade. Uh, no. Wait. Wh- which episode are we talking about? The Thunder and Lightning episode. Oh, no, that's Slade. Wait, no, no, Masks is Red X. I'm sorry. Uh, that... oh, that's, that's a robot, because the yeah, mask right. comes that off at the end, and there's a little screen under there with Slade talking to Robin, yeah. and the robot blows up. I just him. had the wrong episode in mind. Yeah, that was definitely a robot. And... Uh, Mike, I remember in one of the early episodes of Earth 2 Done at the show where you f- reviewed the final two episodes of Teen Titans, there you complained that Slade was a robot in the last episode, but you were able to forgive it because you were sure that there had been Slade robots before. This is the first instance of this if there aren't more Slade robots down the line. 
I greatly enjoyed Apprentice, but almost, almost wish Slade's ultimate plan was to steal the Titans' powers, save Robin, and then make Robin his apprentice. The fight between the Titans and Slade proved that they were stronger than him, and like Mike had said in episode 78, Slade is really only a threat to Robin. The last thing I want to bring up is how Slade's hair looked a lot like Robin's. Mm-hmm. Keep up the great work with the podcast, guys, and Teen Titans Go. I actually kind of thought it looked like uh, Two-Face. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying, yeah. Next one is from Robert, who writes, Hey guys, the DCAU fans in the gaming world probably already know this, but for those who aren't gamers or haven't already heard the news, Arkham Asylum will be Mark Hamill's last laugh as the Joker. Needless to say, when I first read the news, my heart shattered into a million pieces. Hamill's performance has been nothing short of phenomenal for the past 18 years, and even after uh, Heath remains my definition of the character. Menacing yet disarming, witty, sardonic, and with a skin-crawling edge, Hamill has undoubtedly been the most rounded clown prince to date. And that laugh, God, that laugh, it chills you to the core, but you can't help listening to it for hours on end. I need to bring this up. He said that uh, Arkham Asylum 1 was going to be his last performance as the Joker, and look what happened. Uh, yeah. So you never know. You never yeah. know. You know, when that truck full of money pulls up on your front lawn, mm-hmm. you kind of go, no, I didn't say that. No, no. <laughs> what I really meant was this. <laughs> right, yeah. I meant the Arkham Asylum series, not the first game, yeah. The release of AA2 will be a bittersweet day for us and the character, but I wish Hamill the best of luck and hope that his, our Joker, leaves on a high note and a great big smile. Till next time, make him laugh. You know what? I really don't think we need to wish Mark Hamill luck. He's one of the most iconic screen characters of all time in the form of Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And he's played the Joker for, as Mike said, nigh on to two decades. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to wish the fucker luck. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, I love Mark Hamill, but no, no, wish us some of that luck. Come on, what the fuck? You know? Yes, seriously. <laughs> Next one's from Daniel, who writes, Just listening to episode 78, and I couldn't agree more with Mike's reasoning that Chris Evans might not do Captain America justice because of his tendency to play more lighthearted jokester roles. There is a way that they could make this work, though. If this movie might be Captain America's origin, then they could have him begin as kind of a jokester, but mature his respect for America and mature himself over the movie. Keep up the good work, Daniel. See, I mean, that that could work, but it just doesn't feel right with Steve Rogers. It doesn't feel right... With the era, you know, being set during World War II. In a modern setting, sure, but that, no, doesn't work for me. All right, next one's from Joseph writes, Hey guys, thanks for the review of the Teen Titans episodes, and I enjoy Beast Boy because he's a class clown like myself. When it comes to brightening people up, and also, Ron Perlman as Slade is awesome. Wish uh, I wish Duh. I could see... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I could see him in the movie with Nicolas Cage called Season of the Witch. Uh, what do you guys think of the trailer to uh, to Season of the Witch? I've not even heard of that myself, so I don't know. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I saw the trailer and saw Chris Evans and Brandon Routh, a.k.a. Superman from Superman Returns, as the evil ex-boyfriends. What do you guys think of those two actors in the movie? As someone pointed out, I think it was at the Earth 2 forums, it's Michael Sarah versus Captain America and Superman. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> Come on. I love Chris Evans, by the way. He's he is so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Like if you if if you haven't seen The Losers yet, go see it just oh, to see his yeah. performance. I mean, my God, it's yeah. it's awesome. The Losers really survives on the interactions of those characters. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris Evans is just wonderful in that. Um, as for Scott Pilgrim versus the World, I am super psyched for that. I saw the first yes. trailer, the teaser trailer, months ago. That got me going, whoa, I got to read this graphic novel series. So I read the first one. I thought it was great. I mean, I devoured it, like, quickly. 
Um, I did have minor quibbles with it, like the fact that Scott is in his early 20s and he's sort of seeing this high school girl who's like 16 or 17. Now, granted, they don't do anything, but it still creeped me out that he even let this happen. But I was like, okay, whatever, I'll get over this. And then I ordered volumes four through five right away. Haven't read them yet. And volume six, I don't think, comes out until July. Um, So I'm still waiting on that one. Once that one comes out, then I'll read all six in a row in anticipation for that movie. Because every time I see a trailer or a clip for Scott Pilgrim, it blows my mind. It looks so good. I mean, and it's directed by the guy who did Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. I mean, come on. You know, it's it's going to be, if if it's bad, if it's bad, I am going to just cry. Because is this, tr- oh, is this right. going to be just an adaptation of the first graphic novel or what? Cause, it I mean, looks like it's an adaptation of all six, so I don't know how they'd be able to do a sequel. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm, if, uh, you just said that the sixth one doesn't come out until whenever. But, yeah. So I was wondering if maybe it's going to be a multi-part series. No, because in, in the first graphic novel, he only fights the first evil X. And in this one, it's very clear he's fighting all of them. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, if this does well, they're obviously going to want a sequel. So we'll see what happens uh, should this really rock the box office. Uh, P.S. I was hoping an Animazing Podcast would do a review of Black Lagoon because I love hot girls with guns in that series. And I even heard that Disney is involved in the making of a live-action Full Metal Alchemist movie coming out around 2013. I always wonder why Disney would make a movie of that series, because some episodes are very dark. And what do you guys think of a Full Metal Alchemist made into a live-action movie? Well, first off, Animazing Podcast at Earth-Number2.net. Email Kellen and give him your suggestion. I have no response to to the question. James, though, what about you? I don't see how it can work, especially under the Disney heading. That that series is very, very dark in in places, and like... Dark to the point where I don't see how Disney can do it. Uh, I mean, I there are some things like in Pirates of the Caribbean; those movies were pretty gruesome. But there's there's stuff in Full Metal Alchemist. There's just no way they could put on the screen. I just don't see how it can be done. Uh, next one is from Christian, who writes, "Hey guys, nice job reviewing Teen Titans so far. I'm glad one of you hated the episode Deep Six. To me, this episode was a huge disappointment since Clancy Brown can do no wrong." I'm also surprised but happy that both of you quite liked Mad Mod, despite some Scooby-Doo elements of it. Well, I mean, it, the Scooby-Doo elements of it kind of added to the overall just nonsense, nonsensicality of it. Yeah, exactly. I recently read that the next DC Universe original movies coming out will be sequels to Public Enemies and Green Lantern First Flight, as well as Batman Year One. I hated the most recent movie, Crisis on Two Earths, for a number of reasons. Unlike Starcrossed, which featured a lot of heroes who each have character-defining and badass moments, DC heavyweights like Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern get almost no characterization in that film. The villains are a bunch of nakedly corrupt mustache twirlers who don't even bother to hide that they're evil. In terms of voice acting, I only like Jonathan Adams as John Jones and Josh Keaton as The Flash. James Woods gave a flat, bored performance as Owlman, and I couldn't get into Billy Baldwin as Batman at all. What made this an even greater kick in the nuts for me was that I didn't like the animation style or models and that this concept was done before and better in the Justice League episode of Better World. Sorry, Mike, but I still like that episode. (laughs) Like Public Enemies, it had good fight scenes, but at least that film had superb voice actors in the main roles. I beg you guys to review that movie on Earth2.net, the show, at some point, and either tear it to pieces or gush over it. Lest my criticisms aren't valid. (laughs) 
Looking forward to your next batch of reviews, Christian. Oh, and P.S. Mike, I will be gentler to people not crazy about Teen Titans. I said fuck the haters in the last episode. But I will at least shake my fist at those who want Justice League Crisis on Tours to be considered part of the DCAU. In continuity, that travesty is not. (laughs) Okay, two things about that. The fact that they're blatantly evil, that's the point, though. I mean, Luthor is the only good guy on that entire planet. That's because it's an alternate reality. Keep that in mind. So they don't have to hide the fact that they're just complete douchebags. Now, as for James Woods uh, playing Owlman is just very flat, that's also the point. He is bored out of his mind. And he knows he's super smart. You know, he knows he's pretty much better than everybody else. And that's why, without saying too much, at the end he reacts the way he does. Because it's something different. It's something new. It's something he didn't quite expect. Yeah, that that flat performance is actually perfect for the way that character was written in that movie. Uh, next one is from Gary who writes, Hey guys, I've been a listener of your show from the beginning and a long-time listener of Earth2.net the show. It makes work uh, the work day go by quickly. <laughs> I'm writing because I'd love to hear. i love to hear what each of your secret origins are. And by that I mean what is the earliest memory that you have of comics or geek culture? What's the thing that got the ball rolling? What event made you the men you are today? Was it a random action figure that tri- uh, triggered it? A uh, comic handed down from an older sibling? Lightning hit a shelf of chemicals? Mm-hmm. We must know. James, why don't you start out? I guess... My, f- I always grew up on the Looney Tunes. Uh-huh. The, the, my, the, my earliest memories of watching cartoons were Looney Tunes, and I still watch them to this day because they're such just intelligent cartoons. They really yeah. were written for adults, not kids. Right. Um, and then from there, it went to the Ninja Turtles. My, I, I was, I was a child of the, you know, late uh, mid to late eighties, early nineties. So. Uh, Ninja Turtles was big. That was my thing. I loved the Turtles. I still do. And then Power Rangers, the the original couple of seasons of Power Rangers. Terrible show. I fully admit that. I I absolutely fully admit that. But it was still fun. Um, and then you know I I still have a very large collection of comic books that I've had for you know God twenty years at least. So yeah, that's that's. A nutshell of how my geekness started. Let's see, for me, um, I actually wrote an article about this for Earth 2 for that, for the fifth anniversary or whatever, you know? Yeah, I was trying to remember some of what I wrote there, but I guess yeah. that's kind of what I did. Yeah, um, okay, I, I, I was into Star Wars at a really young age, and my mom claims this is because my dad took her to see Star Wars when she was pregnant with me, and she fell asleep in the theater. So, like, she's convinced that somehow the movie, I don't know, I heard it in the womb or something, and, (laughs) you know, I was born a geek. Um, After that, I remember seeing Popeye in the theaters, not not like the cartoon serials, but the Robin Williams Popeye movie. Uh, I remember seeing that, and then Return of the Jedi. Shortly after that, the G.I. Joe cartoon would have been on the air. That led to me picking up the G.I. Joe comic books. Superman comics, Batman comics, whatever comics I could get my hands on. Um, you know, around, you know, 1985, Back to the Future comes out. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm all like, oh, time travels this shit. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, let's see, what would have been after that? I'm still reading comics at this point. Um, any movies or cartoons, you know, like, like, like James, as the 90s rolled around. 
I was into the Turtles. I'm, I was, you know, come 1990, I was 12 years old, you know, but I thought the Turtles was an awesome cartoon. I don't know if it holds up, but it definitely was awesome back then. Oh, and the original Turtles live action movie. My oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Love exactly. that movie. Mm-hmm. I still quote that movie <laughs> to this day. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then, uh, in the, in the late eighties, well, let's, let's say early nineties, I didn't stop reading comics. It's just that I wasn't buying them as much as I was before. Uh, but then by the time I got to high school, I met a friend or I met this guy who was an artist and, uh, I met him in geometry and I was doing okay in the first semester of geometry, but I was struggling a little, but he was struggling more. So the teacher said, Hey, why don't you go sit next to him so you can help him out? And I'm thinking I'm, I'm kind of struggling, you know, why, how am I going to help him? Well, I, I, instead of me helping him, I was like, Oh, Hey, those are cool drawings. So I started drawing, you know, so <laughs> we were doing that. And, uh, let's see, we also had, I think like an English class together. And I noticed in his bag, he had some star Wars novels See, full circle. We come back to the star Wars. And it was the um, the Kevin J. Anderson uh, trilogy, the Jedi Academy one, I think is what it was. And I started reading those books, and I got big into the Star Wars books. I got, uh, thanks to him, I got really back into comics. Again, I was never out of comics, but I, this is where I really got into them. Um, uh, and from there, I was just like, you know what? This is who I am. I'm a fucking geek. I don't care if I'm in high school and I'm watch and I go home and I fucking watch Power Rangers, you know, I knew that show was skewed younger, but what the fuck did I care, you know? Because um, it, it was people beating. I mean, okay, the American stuff was stupid, but <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> and, and the Japanese stuff looked like shit because it was like 20 years old by the time and we got it. Yeah, <laughs> but it was still cool, you know, because it reminded me of growing up. I watched Ultraman, and it reminded me of that. Um, so. You know, I didn't care that I was watching that. And then, you know, I met the proverbial girl next door. She literally lived across the street. And she was into Aladdin and the Lion King. And that made me go, oh, look, cartoons can be for it. You know, granted, they're, you know, Disney films, you know, kids are supposed to see them. But there's some mature themes in there. And I think that's when I started appreciating cartoons on two levels. Just as fun and having the potential to be for adults as well. And yeah, from there it just it just kept snowballing until you know Earth Two dot net and WFP and everything else I do in my life. You know, <laughs> and lest I forget, I've been going to an anime convention mm-hmm. for the last ten, eleven years. Yeah, uh, this September will be my eleventh. I want to say actually. Continuing the email here, he's uh, Gary here says for myself it all stems from the eighties Ninja Turtles cartoon, <laughs> the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Oh yeah, I can't believe I forgot the real Ghostbusters and Garfield. I mm-hmm. love the Garfield strips, the collected editions, and that cartoon. Oh, and I, I I need to before I continue the email, I've got to mention uh Snick from Nickelodeon, the Saturday night lineup. Oh. I oh my god, I was just addicted to that stuff. Because it had Ren and Stimpy and like uh Roundhouse and some I don't know. They had a. It was kind of recycling. Then there's Clarissa explains it all in there. Sometimes it was just. It was awesome. I loved Nickelodeon back in the day. Um. Anyway, continuing the email. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Don't <laughs> laugh. We won't. Of course. No. We both mentioned that. Um. 1989 Batman flick. Sorry, Mike, but it got me hooked on bats and paved my way into reading comics. 
my parents took me to opening weekend when I was six, and I've never looked back. As an older fan, I realize it is very flawed and totally butchers the Batman character, but it still takes me back to my naive younger self. Other things that sparked my inner flame that still burn strong are BTAS and, of course, Star Wars, the original trilogy. Take care, guys, and thank you. Thank you. Uh, next one is from Norbert, writes, Hey, guys, another great show. I would like to congratulate James and Damon for the phenomenal Earth 2 at the show episode covering it. <laughs> <laughs> Not Stephen King's it, but you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've made the mistake of watching only the trailer, as I've never heard of it before, <laughs> and two things came to mind. One, what kind of people willingly gave money to produce such a thing, thus leading real talent on the uh, on the level of fan fiction? And two, knowing what you guys usually do, I was sure it w- it'll be one hell of an episode, and you guys didn't disappoint. It'd be nice if it'd be a regular thing on Earth 2 doesn't have the show, but I know how busy you guys are, so I'm not saying I want the next one, like, right now. Just saying it'd be nice to have one every now and then, like the Batman movie episodes. <laughs> you uh, may get your wish. Uh-huh. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I looked into the 80s Spider-Man cartoon thing. There were two Spider-Man cartoons in the 80s. One, of course, was Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, and the other one was this, and he gives us a YouTube link. Uh, they both started to air on 12th, uh, the 12th of September in 1981 and had identical animation styles. Huh. Spider-Man had 26 episodes and ran for one season, and they dragged the 24 episodes of His Amazing Friends for three seasons slash years. Hmm. I know that the two shows were basically the same world, and Spidey was the same in both, but I think it could have worked out having a regular Spider-Man with a Spider-Man team-up show airing at the same time nowadays as well. I personally hate it when studios always think that people get confused by stuff like that. And yes, I know there's supposed to be kids' shows, but I always thought that a good show uh, can be enjoyed by an older audience as well, like a little something called DCAU. Uh, regarding the Flash live-action movie James mentioned, you must have been remembering the 90s Flash pilot, which is basically a 90-minute movie. Yes, I was. That's exactly what I was thinking of. And I actually went to my parents' house because my dad had a VH copy of that, a VHS copy of that pilot, and uh, that's that's what I was thinking of. So thank you. Uh, I love this TV series and consider it to be another contributor to, uh, contributor to the birth of the BTA, uh, BTAS and the DCAU, not just Burton's Batman. The whole look of the show resembles the look of BTAS. Shirley Walker did the score, and it was here that we heard Mark Hamill play a proto-Joker with the trickster. I know that this must have also been influenced by the 89 Batman, and listening to one of the episodes, Barry Passes by Cinema, that has the Batman movie poster on the wall, but it was first serialized, uh, the first serialized DC TV show, and I'm sure that Tim and company must have taken a look at the show, if only for listening to Hamill do the voice. Uh, a couple of thoughts about the, the Teen Titans episodes. I will try to explain why we won't see Trident back anytime soon. Not that we'd want to. Right. If you guys pay attention during the final battle when all the clones start to hatch, only two of the Tridents have weapons in their hands. All the quote-unquote newborns don't. I guess those weapons get destroyed when Beast Boy and Aqualad get them to fight each other. None of the Tridents that follow the Titans have weapons in their hands. I guess this cave was only the clone factory. <laughs> so after they got trapped, they simply killed each other, blaming the other for their defeat. That's actually an interesting thought. I didn't even think about that. They might yeah. do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Apprentice Rules. Slade sends Robin to rob W-A-Y-N-E Enterprises <laughs> after Robin tells him that he already has a father. Knowing Slade, I always like to think that he only sent Robin there because of the answer he gave him. What do you guys think? Rock on. I think that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. P.S. The next thing I'm about to mention almost made me laugh out loud at work. Maybe you guys have a chuckle, too. The company I work for is employed by various European libraries to basically digitize their database. One day I came upon this title, Theo Watts Brown, 
sharks, the search for a repellent. <laughs> I didn't believe my eyes when I saw it. Of course, it has to do with some kind of sonar solution to the problem, not for an extreme situation where you're hanging onto the, the ladder of an autopiloted helicopter with a leaking plastic shark attached to your leg. I wonder if they thought about an aerosol version. Anyway, it amused me nonetheless. Uh, next one's from Adonis, or I'd say Mike and James. Uh, about two months back, I got into Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. I went through the iTunes podcast searching for anything related to them. The first one I found was by a guy named Trevor Belena, where he does running commentary on many of the JLU and other DCAU cartoons. Very interesting insightful. I do highly recommend it. Anywho, the next one I found was you guys. I became hooked shortly afterward. I started with episode one, and after a little over a month, I have finally caught up. Not a, not a record, but respectable, I like to think. I'm really upset you, I didn't discover you guys sooner, as I really, really would have liked to join in on the discussions. But now that I'm here, here are my questions and comments. James, I too think Avatar is the greatest cartoon ever. I am, however, on the fence about M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong's film. <laughs> what are your feelings about it and the controversial casting? Well, we've already covered that. Um, and speaking of the non-DC films, with all these lesser-known live-action comic films coming uh, out or coming out, Kick-Ass, The Loser, Scott Pilgrim, etc., which others do you think would translate well to the big screen? I think you could do a good, low-budget um, Heroes for Hire, Power Man and Iron Fist. Um, I think on a recent episode of Earth Today at the show, in fact, Dez had said that it could be a TV show, and I absolutely agree. Um, I think you could do Dazzler, pretty low budget. I think uh, you could do um, a pretty low budget Blue Beetle. I'm talking the Ted Cord one, not the Jaime Reyes one. Um, I know there is some Blue Beetle stuff in the works uh, with Jaime, but you know I'm, I'm more partial to Ted. Um, How about the question? The question, absolutely. You could do that one, very street level. I mean, you could do it in noir if you wanted. You could do it just, you know, straight up kind of mystery. Yeah, the question would require no major special effects at all. You know, I mean, his face, you know, big deal. A couple mm -hmm. of explosions here and there it wouldn't require anything. The only problem with that, and it's the problem you run into when you have a masked hero, is you pay a lot of money to get an actor to play the part, and then you put a mask on him. And in this case, you literally take his face away. Um, so you couldn't really have him ask the question all that often, you know. Uh, but yeah, the question for sure. Um, I think if you broke her away from the Batman family, you could do a pretty decent Huntress film. Mm -hmm. um, I'm fearful that it would fall into the Catwoman category, though. Uh, right, exactly, but not impossible, not impossible at all. Oh, Scalped, I think, would make a good serialized show. Preacher, you could do as a serialized show. Um, I think before I've said Transmet could be a very mature cartoon series on, like, Showtime or HBO. So, yeah, there, there's a ton of properties out there that aren't the big three for either company. You know, there's there's so much material to be mined that... That if you make it for the right budget, you know, it's going to turn a really decent product, or a profit, excuse me. Will you get a sequel? Probably not, but you don't always need a sequel. You know, as, as long as they, they make money, that's all they care about. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there, there's my list. Back to DC. My personal choices for the Green Lantern and the Flash films, respectively, would have been Nathan Fillion and Ryan Reynolds. Now that Ryan Reynolds is the Green Lantern, I'm starting to think maybe Fillion could play the Flash. Thoughts? No. He's too old. 
Um, I think the Flash... I mean, I don't think he'd be good as Barry, who could be older. You know, like in his, like, 30s or 40s or something. Um, but I, my personal opinion is that if we're going to do Wally, he should be mid-20s at his oldest. And Nathan, I don't think he has the right look. I don't think he has the right body type or anything to pull that off. No, no. In a past episode, you two were talking about which characters were portrayed the best and where. I recently replayed Arkham Asylum, and I have decided that this is my definitive version of the Scarecrow. I really do think this is the best we've seen of this character. I, I, I uh, can't argue with that, honestly. Uh, if you've played the game, you know what Scarecrow looks like. Holy Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude has syringes for fingers. Oh, jeez, okay. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Yeah. Um, and my final comment, I just finished listening to your hilarious Batman and Robin re- uh, review with Ian. And James, you especially hated Bane in the film. Well, I thought you might like to know that in the commentary track for the film, Schumacher states that this is because this was a more kid-friendly film. He asked his six-year-old godson which villains he liked. He said the, uh, the kid was a fan of BTAS, and his favorites were Mr. Freeze and Ivy. So he got comics and the episodes with them and claimed some of this stuff was right out of the wonderful animated series. Right. Yeah. He goes to say, I needed Poison Ivy to have a thug, and so Bane was perfect, because Bane is just a big, lurking monster who would do her bidding. She needed muscle. I know. It hurts me, too. (laughs) So he may have watched the Ivy and Freeze episodes, but must have skipped the Bane ones. He does also mention that the actor who played Bane unfortunately passed away. Mm -hmm. That's all I have for now. Sorry, this was a long message, but I had a bunch to say for my first email. Next one will be briefer. Good luck with the rest of the show. I will be listening. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, let's see, this one, I don't know if it has a name on there. It might have been, I don't know if it was a text message or what. But regarding your disdain for Mumbo in the sum of his parts, although Mumbo is generally considered a null threat, this was his first episode, and if he wasn't made at least a viable threat, I feel Bunny Raven or How to Make a Titanimal Disappear would have been a much weaker affair. P.S. Teen Titans is not in continuity, and Mike, before you say it, I already got a t-shirt. By a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually... In one episode today, we're going to kind of further prove that it is in continuity. <laughs> oh, are we? What am I What am I not thinking of? Okay. When, when we get there, you may have to point it out, because I'm oh, not I sure. I, hmm, okay. Who's up here blasting, Mike? Star? Starfire. I don't believe it. You, you haven't aged today. Cyborg, what has happened? Why are you... Old? Well, that's what happens to folks when you go away for 20 years. 20 years? You disappeared, Star. That battle with Warp, that was a long time ago. You fell through a wormhole and... Welcome to the future. The future? But... I damaged his technology. Warp was planning to jump ahead 100 years, right? Looks like you stopped him at 20. Still, I am confused. Please, why are you in disrepair? Let's just say things haven't gone so well since you left. First up today is How Long Is Forever? In this one, Starfire is trying to tell the rest of the team that it is Blorthog, the Tamaranian Festival of Friendship. But everyone else is just fighting over various unimportant bullshit. So she yells at everyone, saying that fighting causes friends to drift apart. 
but the gang is like, uh, Star, this is normal roommate stuff. Friends fight all the time. And suddenly an alarm sounds and the team springs into action, but Starfire is clearly very worried about what's going to happen to her friends. And uh, they head to the museum where a time-traveling thief named Warp is trying to steal something called the Clock of Eternity. Uh, the Titans start fighting him, but his technology far exceeds theirs, and he gets away. But as he's heading into his portal, Starfire shoves him in, and they're both sucked into the portal. And they start tussling through the time stream, and uh, Starfire rips off the chest piece from Warp's suit, which causes them to each be thrown into different parts of time. And Starfire lands in a... Uh, snowy field in front of Titan's tower, but it's in ruin. And inside, she finds a much older cyborg, 20 years to be exact. And uh, cyborg tells her that when she went into the future, everything just went straight to hell. The Titans are her friends no more, and uh, the world basically became uh, much worse for wear. And uh, Starfire insists that Warp's interference with the past must have caused all this to happen, but uh, cyborg clearly doesn't feel like that's the case. He also says that he can't leave the tower because his power cells died out years ago, and he's just connected to the stationary generator now. And Cyborg tells Star where to find Raven and Beast Boy, but if you want to find uh, Robin, you're on your own. So she goes to see Beast Boy, and he's in a carnival sideshow at his own choice because he says it's for his own safety. It's to keep these freaks out and to leave him alone. So Star leaves, and she goes to see Raven next, but she's kind of imprisoned herself to keep her powers in check, I guess. And she's also wearing her white cloak. Mm-hmm. First time for that, too, isn't it? No, and Nevermore, we see her in the white. That's true. We do get... Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Pardon me. No problem. Uh, so Starfire leaves, and she is uh, met by Warp, who demands his modulator back. And Star says, yeah, okay, once you prepare my past, you bastard. Mm-hmm. So... Warp says, you're a fool. I've done nothing to damage history because history is not damageable. History says that the clock he was stealing disappears, and that's because he goes back in time to steal it. So Warp grabs the modulator out of a now very, very dejected Starfire's hands, and he prepares to kill her when suddenly a shadowy figure tackles Warp and flings him into an alley, and Warp barely manages to teleport away. So the figure emerges from the shadows and says it's been a long time, Starfire. And Starfire's like, Robin? But the guy says he hasn't used that name in a while. Call me Nightwing. Yeah, Nightwing, bitches! Woo! (laughs) Uh, Nightwing takes Starfire to his hideout, and he activates the Titans' alert beacons. And each of the Titans does still have their their, uh, uh, communicators. And uh, Nightwing and Starfire head over to the museum to uh, take on Warp. And Warp does eventually get the upper hand, but the other Titans show up one by one, and they keep him at bay. And he tries to warp away, but uh, Nightwing hits his modulator, and it uh, rapidly regresses his age until he turns into a baby. So Cyborg takes the modulator and attaches it to his uh, arm cannon and manages to keep the vortex open long enough for Starfire to get home. Before she goes, though, she's just talking to Nightwing. I mean, is this really what this is going to... The, what the future is going to come to, and you know, I, Nightwing, I think, kind of reminds her that they've done the impossible before. It's what they do. So, back in the present, uh, Starfire is seen shoving Warp into the portal, and uh, but this time she flies right back in a few seconds later. So the Titans go back to the tower, and Starfire tells them all about her journey, and 
Raven, of all people, says, you know what? Let's have that friendship festival <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, uh, the episode Robin, uh, ends with Robin talking to Starfire saying, so, Nightwing, huh? <laughs> yeah. What are you thinking, sir? I really enjoy this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the pacing is a little too fast. Um, I would have liked it if it was a two-parter, not so we could get two episodes with Nightwing. Yeah, because I wanted two episodes with Nightwing. Yeah. But no, seriously, it's it's like <laughs> you know she show they do a good job setting it up that she's worried that the team team's falling apart, and then she gets to this future, and I feel like we didn't spend enough time there with these future versions of the characters. Um, it's just like oh. You know, she bumps into each one. No, I can't help. No, I can't help. Oh, I can help, but I've changed my name. Oh, look, we're all going to team up again. Titans go. The day is saved. It's just, yeah, as good as it is, the pacing on this really bothers me. But no, I, I like seeing how her presence or the lack of her presence affects the team because you see when she goes back to the destroyed tower, not destroyed, but the dilapidated tower, the, 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 the broken necklaces, the broken wind chime necklaces are still all over the floor. So, you know, they broke up right away. They couldn't find her. Maybe they, maybe they took like a week, but they obviously didn't clean up and then they thought she was dead and they just couldn't handle it. And they, they split. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, what about you? Oh, definitely. It, it, this episode just shows how much Starfire means to the team. And I, I can't. I think you said in an earlier episode that Beast Boy was the heart and soul. Yeah, I did. But really, I think it's kind of a two-part role. Starfire being there also. Maybe she's yeah. the heart, and mm. Beast Boy is the soul, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, look. Just look at what happens to everything without her around to kind of keep keep everybody level-headed. Because she really is. She's very naive, and that's not an insult. She's just a very naive character because she comes from another planet. And her just her innocence kind of keeps everybody mellow and uh, very level-headed. I do have a question, though. Um, the guards are still frozen in the museum 20 years in the future. Were they? Yeah, they were there. I Still didn't frozen. notice that. Yeah. <laughs> I was also wondering how his time technology froze people. I didn't get that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I could see freezing them in that freeze tag sort of way, you know, sort of like what uh, What's-His-Face's devices did in BTAS, where from his clock point king. of uh, Yeah, that's right. It was the Clock Kings, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know how from from the, his point of view or Batman's point of view, when they used them, it looked like everybody had stopped. I could see that. But actually, in Blocks of Ice, I didn't get that at all. I think, actually, Raven has the line of the movie, or the, or the episode, rather. <laughs> I, I feel like a wind chime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it should be pointed out that the kids who are at the zoo picking on BB, mm-hmm. they have the same little spiky mohawks and visors or whatever as just all the kids in the dark knight returns mm-hmm. uh, by frank miller so that was a nice little nod uh they threw in there trying to think what else to say about this one i mean really th- this is just a sad starfire episode and a lot of starfire episodes seem to be sad because she's you know she's a character that relies on her emotions yes more than like robin or bb or cyborg does 
but at the same time, it's also fun to see this alternate future version of the team. Um, how they've grown up, how they've grown apart, and how most of them have broken down. Um, and it almost gives you the idea that without Starfire in his life, Dick becomes more like Batman. And that's why he took on the Nightwing role. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's never said, but you know, everybody else, you could see what's happened to them. You know, Beast Boy's gotten fat and he's lost his hair, probably from the stress and sadness. Cyborg just kind of let himself go, too. Raven just went mental, or more mental. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Robin, he just internalized it, but it ended up showing through by the fact that he went with a much darker motif. Um, So I kind of like the subtleness, the subtlety is the word I'm looking for, of that right there. Uh, pardon me. But I believe we might be able to help one another. Okay. Am I the only one who heard that? You talk? Dogs don't talk? Perhaps not on your planet, my dear fellow. Now, if you'll agree to release me, I would be happy to help you locate my odious former master. After I escaped his ship, he pursued me here and mistakenly captured another green dog. Your beast boy, I presume? And you didn't tell us this earlier because... I was having too much fun. Next up is Every Dog Has His Day. In this one, there is a green dog being chased around town. And, uh, well, no, okay, wait, it starts out with Beast Boy. Yeah, okay, never mind. I'll get back to the dog thing in a second, <laughs> I think. Uh, whatever. It starts out with Beast Boy, and he's trying to help uh, Cyborg fix his car, and he ends up ruining it. So Cyborg is like, get the hell out of here. And then he tries to go spar with Robin, and Robin beats him up by accident. And Robin's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. So Beast Boy then goes to the girls, and they're meditating or something, and he interrupts them. And they're like, dude, get out of here. So he walks away all dejected. Uh, in the meantime, we see this green dog running through town. It's being chased by like a spaceship or something. I don't fucking know. And uh, what do you call it? So we cut back to Beast Boy, and you know he sees these girls, and he's trying to hit on them, and they're not having any of it. And then he sees these dogs in the park, you know, they're they're being played with by the girls. And he's like, oh, man, I wish I was a dog. Oh, wait, I'm Beast Boy. So (laughs) he uh, turns into a dog and he runs up to them. And they're like, why is that dog green? And why does it smell like old pizza? Because earlier Beast Boy kind of slipped and fell into some pizza. Um, So he kind of mopes away, still as the dog. And he ends up bumping into the other green dog. Uh, in the meantime, the spaceship shows up, uh, the, the the other green dog runs away, and Beast Boy gets beamed up to the spaceship. So uh, while he's up there, he uh, is being held captive by this very childlike but large alien by the name of Soto. It's like an Easter Island head. Exactly, in a spacesuit, exactly. And what I appreciated was that the spacesuit had like a... When he turned around, you could see the little flap for his butt, Mm -hmm. like a baby's outfit, and his ship was, like, just all baby toys. (laughs) And the controls looked like 80s video games. Yeah, yeah, the Pac-Man, I think there was something like Space Invaders or something. Galaga or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he's got Beast Boy tied up, and Beast Boy's like, look, I'm not your dog. And he changes back into his normal self. And he's like, oh, you're better than my dog. You could be any animal I want. Change. And Beast Boy's like, screw you. He's like, I'll let you go. And Beast Boy's like, okay. And so he keeps changing, and the guy won't let him go. 
So Beast Boy gets really pissed off, but he can't get off this leash that this guy's got him tied to. In the meantime, the rest of the Titans, they're out looking for BB, and they come across the green dog, and they're like, come on, man, change back into your human form, and the dog won't do it. So they're like, Christ. So the dog keeps running away. Every so often, it'll jump on Raven and it'll lick her face, and, uh, you know, they keep chasing it around, and it gets to this one point where they've got it cornered, and it, like, dives into a sewer, but in so doing, it turns into, like, almost like a clay face, like, putty. And they're like, that's not Beast Boy. Uh-oh. <laughs> so they continue to chase this dog in the sewer because they figure if they can capture it, maybe the the master of this dog will come back and that'll lead them to Beast Boy. Uh, eventually they're able to capture it by using Raven as bait because it goes for her face. They put it in some jar. And when they're trying to figure out what to do with it, the dog starts talking very intelligently. More than Soto, the Easter-headed Easter island Easter Island headed. That's it. Yes. <laughs> Alien guy. And he's like, well, my good fellows, maybe I can help you with your problem. And uh, so their jaws hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like you can talk. And, you know, he's like, yeah, well, maybe on your world dogs can't talk, but on mine they can. And they're all like, well, why didn't you say something before? And he was like, I was having too much fun. So <laughs> they uh, they're able to track down the spaceship, which is just taking off to leave for outer space. And if it breaks orbit, Beast Boy's lost forever. Uh, Starfire is able to push the ship back down. With the help of the other Titans, they keep it down. Big fight ensues between the four Titans and Soto. And, but he's winning. Soto's winning. And all of a sudden, you know, Beast Boy in his dino form comes running out. And, you know, he tips the, 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 the scales there. And uh, the, the dog walks up and he throws the collar on Soto. And he's got the remote with him. Because Soto had this remote that would shock Beast Boy if he didn't change and uh, Soto's all like, oh, my doggy's back. And uh, the dog's like, I'm tired of being your pet, yeah. And Soto's like, oh, okay, I'll be the doggy now. And he starts bouncing around like a dog. And so the dog and Soto get back on the ship, and they fly off. And the rest of the team's like, you know what, BB, we really missed you. Sorry we kind of blew you off. Let's go get pizza. And Beast Boy's like, you know what, I've had a l I appreciate it, guys, but I've had a little too much attention paid to me today. So I just kind of want to be left alone. There's that one. What were you thinking? I won't turn this one off and disgust like other episodes, but it wasn't exactly a great episode at all. So I don't know. There's just there's so little to say about this episode, really. It it, but I have to say, as goofy as this episode is, I really enjoyed that fight scene between Soto and the four Titans. Oh yeah, yeah. that was actually a really good fight scene, mm -hmm. and it lasted quite a while. I think that. It seriously lasted over five minutes of the episode. Well, see, that's kind of my biggest problem with this episode is the fight seems really good, but it lasts a little too long. And, you know, we got the Titans chasing the green dog. It's funny, but it lasts too long. We've got Soto and Beast Boy. It's funny, but guess what? It lasts too long. They kept going for the same joke over and over in these different scenes. And the first couple times you laugh, but after that you're kind of like, okay, I get it, let's move on. I would have appreciated it if they could have cut down on those and added just a little more narrative, a little more plot, a little more characterization, a little more something that wasn't the same jokes over and over and over again. You know, it's I don't want to call it all filler, because I think we needed to see the Titans chase the dog. We needed to see what was going on with Beast Boy and Soto. And we needed to see that fight scene. But just, they were stretched out. E each scene was, was stretched out by maybe like two minutes too much. Except maybe the fight. As you said, that was probably only five minutes. Shave a minute off of that. 
you know, and then two minutes off everything else. And you've got an extra five minutes to, to add a little more depth to this one. But yeah. still, I think this is a pretty fun episode. You know, it's not the first one I would throw in, right. you know, but as you said, if I was walking past the TV and it were on, I might sit down and watch it. In fact, I know I'd sit down and watch it. <laughs> Should note that, uh, the alien dog and soda were both voiced by D Bradley Baker, who has oh. done all kinds of voice acting work to me, most notably on avatar, the last airbender. And he actually voiced quote unquote voiced, uh, the two main animal characters there too. So <laughs> I love the look on the dog's face when he was like, I was having too much fun. And he's just his big shit eating grin. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I loved his voice too. It, it was a a really cool accent. Yeah, just, I don't know. I just liked the accent. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, because they could have given him any old voice, but he's kind of prim and proper, you know. Yeah. Especially when you compare him to his master, who, as I said, is pretty much a man child. Yeah. You know, there's there's clearly Soto is either a baby that knows how to control that ship, or he's mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite sure which, but. Either way, the way that the way the two contrast each other is pretty interesting. It would have been nice to have seen a little more of them together. As a matter of fact, going back to the fight scene, the the animation there was really really solid too. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, especially with Starfire and Raven when they combined their uh, energy attacks. This is the first time I believe where Beast Boy mentions he wants a moped, mm-hmm. <laughs> which hey, will ladies. come back. Yes, yeah. hey ladies, want to ride on my moped? You have a moped? Not yet, but I'm saving up like. Really? Like, that's your line, Beast Boy? Really? Get out of here. Wow. You got no game. Worst flirting ever. No, you've never seen me flirt. So. (laughs) I can't stay. Why not? Places to go, people to see. Come on. You know you want to stay. We've got free cable, indoor plumbing, and all the tofu you can eat. (laughs) Tofu? sure know how to charm a girl i guess i could hang out for one more day awesome we're gonna have so much fun and i can't wait to see what your powers do when you really cut them loose sorry i'm sorry i'm so stupid don't tell please don't tell tara it's okay you can't totally control your powers so what Promise you won't tell anybody. Ever. Sure. Swear it. Okay, okay. I promise. But really, it's no big deal. If my friends knew, they'd still like you. You just don't understand. Next up is Tara. In this one, we see a blonde teenage girl running through the desert being chased by a gargantuan scorpion creature (laughs) thing. And eventually the titans appear on the scene... But lo and behold, they find out that she was never really in any danger. She, As the Titans are about to help her, the girl lifts a huge section of rock up with her mind and just crushes the fuck out of this thing. The Titans wonder who she is, but watching from a cliff nearby, Slade says, Don't get attached to her, Titans. I saw her first. Um, After the credits, the girl, whose name is Tara, introduces herself. Wait, wait, that's not quite what he says. And I, the, like, the reason I'm going to correct you here is because it goes to the creepiness between Slade and Tara. He actually says, he says it to Beast Boy, who's clearly got a crush on her already. 
Oh, oh, did he? Oh, did he say my friend? Yeah, I okay, believe he okay, said my yeah. friend, which is sort of like you know, Beast Boy's got this crush on her, and now he's saying I saw her first, and it's just sort of like ew, yucky, yeah. slave, yeah. what? No. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, after the credits, Tara introduces herself to the group, and uh, the Titans are all thrilled to meet her. She's very friendly, and she knows where all the Titans are. She's kind of a hipster. And uh, they eagerly invite her to stay at Titan's Tower since she just sleeps in caves because, as she says, she's one with the Earth. And uh, as the group get a haircut, <laughs> um, as the group leaves, Raven and Robin stay back for a moment. And Raven's like, "Is everything okay?" And Robin says, "Something just doesn't seem right." And uh, we see Slade duck back into the shadows. So we go to the tower, and Tara shows that she has my metabolism, and she <laughs> bathes in mud. <laughs> The Titans kind of ponder over whether she could stay at the tower and call it her new home. And um, That night, Beast Boy goes to see her, but she's outside by the sea. And she and BB kind of goof around and flirt a little bit. And uh, Beast Boy makes an offbeat comment about wanting to see her powers in full force. And she freaks out a little bit. And uh, her and this, like, this rock that Beast Boy is sitting on like flies into the air and it hurls him across the rocks. And... Uh, she apologizes and makes Beast Boy swear to secrecy about not being able to fully control her powers. And he does, but he tries to assure her, look, it's no big deal. Um, so the next day, Tara takes on this uh, new obstacle course uh, that Robin has set up. And she does have a lot of trouble at first, but she does start to get the hang of things. And she beats Cyborg's record that he just set like three minutes earlier. <laughs> and... Uh, the Titans congratulate her, but the alarm sounds, and the Titans see that Slade has returned. And so the six heroes leave to confront him, and they get the robot squad instead, of course. And uh, during the fight, uh, Terra and Beast Boy are uh, buried inside a coal mine. Uh, Beast Boy digs his way out, but Terra is gone. She, we see that she ended up running deep into the mine because she saw Slade, and she's trying to take on Slade by herself. And... This, of course, is Slade's trap, and uh, Slade and Terra do battle, but it's really not a battle because Slade just toys with her and manipulates her into believing that the Titans are not her friends, and only he can help her gain control of her powers. And everything she throws at him, he just dodges, destroys. He just, she's no match for him at all. And uh, Terra starts to really lose it, and she starts causing the mind to cave in, but uh, Beast Boy manages to get to her and calm her down. It's uh, And if I may draw a parallel to uh, Avatar The Last Airbender here, it's uh, like a moment where Aang starts to lose control and Katara. Uh, it's really a, almost exactly the same scene. So in the meantime, Slade just slips away unnoticed, and... Uh, Later, the Titans offer her the opportunity to join the team, and she's really excited about this. But Rob, uh, Robin just innocently says, look, you'll need more training since you seem to have problems controlling your powers. And Terra just glares at Beast Boy and says, you told them. Beast Boy is like, no, no, I didn't. But Terra won't hear any of it, so she calls him a liar, and she just runs off. And Slade watches from his new hideout and says, run all you like. Sooner or later, I'll get you. <laughs> so... Um... You know, I didn't write any notes for this one. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's because I was watching it because I was enjoying it. Or if I didn't take any notes because I kind of didn't care. 
I don't know where I'm falling with this one, honestly. This is one of those ones we're going to have to talk through to see where I end up at the end of the day. Mm. So what about you? Well, I'm, I love this episode. I, I really do. I, I, I haven't seen the two-part ending to this season. Oh, okay. Uh, which is, I, of course, where I know Tara comes back. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm really eager to see what happens from, from all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love the Tara character. She's, she's, uh, I, I, I love how she just ingratiates herself to the Titans. She knows who all the, all of them are. And then she, it seems like she kind of forgets who, what Beast Boy's name is and Beast Boy's all fumbling about it. Like, uh, I don't even remember what he says, like, boy beast or yeah. <laughs> just, it, it was really funny. And you really, I really was, rooting for Beast Boy in this episode, you know? Yeah. See, I think the reason I might be struggling with this one is because you can tell that this is just set up for something later on down the line. Mm -hmm. And I think it does a good job setting that up, but as a standalone episode, I'm not sure it works for me. This time around. Previously, I've enjoyed this one, but this time... I wasn't so keen on it. And yeah, I really think it's, it's for, at least for me, it doesn't stand entirely on its own. I think you have to see all of them put together to really enjoy this one. But you're disagreeing because, as you said, you haven't seen the last two. So, and you think this does stand on its own. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I, I don't think I've seen, but one, I know Tara is in a couple episodes before. For that, yeah. but I, I I think I've only seen one of those episodes, and I don't remember a thing about it. So mm. again, I this is all pretty much new to me. So it's it's gonna I'm I'm really just into it right now. So I guess that's where our our differences lie there. Yeah, I mean I will say I like the mind game Slade plays with Terra. Oh, absolutely. You know he flat out tells her that Beast Boy will eventually slip up, and then when that's why she thinks he does at the end. Um, you then understand why she will go to Slade later on. Um, spoiler. Um, <laughs> you know, I like the Beast Boy Terra relationship. It's very innocent. It doesn't need to be that very deep because they're really just attracted to each other on a very superficial level. It's all about looks and their cool powers, you know. They haven't really gotten to know each other yet and fallen in love that way. Um, so I, I think that's interesting, and I can appreciate that. I like the ending with Robin when he approaches Beast Boy, and he's like, I'm sorry, I just guessed. You know, you could tell he feels bad for his friend that, you know, he just accidentally cock-blocked him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, going on that, I, I do. I really love that that ending scene. Uh, and I'm glad that Beast Boy didn't turn around and yell at Robin. Right. Cause Robin I, I, because that's know. what I thought he was going to do. At first, I thought Beast Boy was going to throw a temper tantrum and run back into the tower. But I'm glad that Beast Boy took the high road and was mature about it and said she didn't even say goodbye. Yeah. Really, yeah. I really, really feel bad for Beast Boy in this one. <laughs> I mean, how can you not? He did everything right, and the girl still runs away from him, you know? Mm. <sighs> Women. <laughs> yep. And I think they did right by Beast Boy and Terra by having pretty much the other Titans take the back seat in this one. I mean, they're all there. They get their lines. But this is about them, too. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think that was a smart move, especially while introducing this whole new character. 
letting Beast Boy be the one that kind of brings her to the team and is the one that's instantly accepting. Because, you know, Beast Boy is the most innocent one, you know, and if he accepts her, then we're all going to accept her, that kind of thing. I, I also like the fact that Slade's plan is clearly a trap. I mean, what, he's going after a diamond, you know, because they're in a diamond mine. And the robots show up and every, all the workers are like, protect the diamond. Oh, no, just run away. You know, and you, when you think about it, you're like, Slate, why is Slate stealing a diamond? That's so petty. That's Dr. Light. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's something Warp would do. Mumbo. Mumbo. <laughs> Slate, what's he doing? But when you really think about it, you're like, he's laying a trap, isn't he? Yeah. And speaking of the diamond, is Slade seriously strong enough to create a diamond out of coal with his fist? Um, My God. <laughs> sleight of I, hand? I don't know. <laughs> may, maybe. Uh, wow. Because you need literally like 10 tons of pressure on all sides to create a diamond out of coal. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just just questioning that, because mm-hmm. I'm sure Superman could do something like that, but <laughs> Slade? Cyborg, what happened back there? Get off my back. I'm on your side, Remember? I was just trying to get you to kick it up a notch. I don't have another notch. I'm not like you, okay? When I say I can't, I can't! (sighs) When I was an athlete, when I was human, I loved pushing my limits. Getting stronger, faster, better, just by trying harder than I ever had before. My coaches would always tell me to give 110%, and I always did. You still can. My muscles are mechanical now. Limits are built in. No matter how hard I try, 100% is all I've got. I didn't know. Well, now you do. Next up is Only Human. In this one, all the Titans are working out. They're doing their thing. They're pushing themselves to the limit. And uh, we see Cyborg, and he's on some weights. And this is this massive weight machine. And it just keeps putting weight after weight after weight on it. And we see on Cyborg's arm, he's got this... uh, little computer screen or whatever, little monitor, and uh, it's getting closer and closer to 100%, and everybody starts cheering him on, saying, push it, push it, push it, you can do it. And he's like, I can't. And they're like, no, you can, you know. And eventually the all the weight just collapses on him. He gets out, and he's just like, you know, Beast Boy tries cheering him up, and he just storms off. Um, he ends up going to play some video games, and, you know, they're all still trying to cheer him up. He's not having it. Um, at some point, he basically tells Robin, he's like, look, you guys are human. You know, and when I was human and an athlete, if my coach said give 110%, I gave that. Because, you know, I, I could push beyond my limits. But he's like, I'm now like 50% machine. The machine parts have a limit. They cannot go above that. So when this says 100%, I'm done. And Robin's like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't understand it. So yeah, so they're all trying to cheer him up. That's not working. Uh, he's just playing video games. He ends up losing the first round to some guy. He's playing online or something. and uh, But he wins the second round. And uh, the guy sends him a message saying, hey, how about a rematch? And Cyborg's like, anytime, anywhere. And uh, the guy burns through the Titan's window and their TV, I guess. And he shows up and starts kicking the crap out of Cyborg. And uh, he's like, my name's Atlas, and I never lose. Who voiced Atlas? Because I know I recognize that voice. Keith David. Why Why do I know that? I mean, he was the uh, center in, I mean, yes. he was the center in the, you know, New Frontier. But He was also uh, Despero. And... Ah, yeah. 
and um, he was also in um, uh, what is it? Requiem for a Dream. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. But no, I don't think I too. have. Okay. okay. One of the most depressing movies in the, ever created. But Yeah, I heard that's it's one of the most fucked up movies ever, yeah. Yeah, it pretty much is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, they're fighting, and uh, what the hell happens? Um, cyborg, does Cyborg reach his limits or something? Whatever. You know, the guy's all like, hey... No, he captures the Titans, right? Yeah, and yeah, those little he, he, trophy things. Yeah, he cra- captures all the Titans in these little bubbles, and he puts them in these little, little trophy stands, and he's like, look, if you want your friends back, you know, you got to come find me. And Cyborg, I think he's reached his limits at this point or something. Maybe not, it doesn't matter. Uh, no, he hasn't at this point. And he's like, yeah, you got to come find me, and you got to save them. And Cyborg's like, shit. Um, so, you know, and, and the, the guy says, no weapons, just robot to robot, because Atlas is like a robot. Hence, robot to robot. So, uh, Cyborg shows up, they fight, um, but, yeah, size pushed to his limits, I think he ends up quitting? Yeah, yeah, Atlas pretty much just kicks the shit out of him. Yeah, and, uh, so then, Cyborg's like, okay, look, you beat me, now set my friends free, and and Atlas is like, ha 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 ha, psych, so, he, like, takes all the trophies into, like, his lair or whatever, and Cyborg soaks off, and... He's walking past the store, and he starts talking to himself in the window, and uh, his, his, you know, his internal self is like, look, you know, 50% of you is human. The machine parts can only go so far, but the human parts can go farther. Get over yourself and save your friends. So um, he goes back and faces Atlas one more time. While this is happening, um, Atlas has, like, a buddy, a little lackey by the name of the mechanic, uh, Robin's playing mind games with him, like, oh, you respect him, but does he respect you? And then, of course, in that instant, you know, Atlas starts shitting all over this guy, and uh, so he starts having this mental uh, face turn. And uh, so Cyborg shows up, there's a big fight, uh, you know, Atlas has got him on the rope, so to speak, and he's like, ha ha ha, you're at 100%, and Cyborg's like, yeah, guess what, sucka? And the little monitor on his arm goes up to like 150%. He kicks in with his human parts, and uh, he beats the shit out of Atlas. And uh, Atlas, you know, reaches out to Mechanic, and he's like, hey, help me. And Mechanic's like, screw you, douchebag, and he walks away. So uh, (laughs) then what happens later on? I don't know. All the Titans are together, and what? How does this one end? I don't remember. Uh, Beast Boy is just like, yeah, the undisputed champion of everything, Cyborg. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's pretty much where it ends, I think. Yeah, so what were you thinking? <laughs> I mean, could there be an episode with any less plot? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there <laughs> could be. Maybe, but it, it would be pretty hard. I mean, this is just nothing but fight after fight after fight. Well, they were going for a moral in this one. What that was, I don't know, but there's clearly some message in here. I gotta tell you, this... The whole thing with Cyborg and his human parts being the one, the, the I guess the thing that pushes him past his limits, mm-hmm. it unfortunately reminds me of Mortal Kombat Annihilation where Jax rips his cybernetic arms off and is able to beat a fucking centaur. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those those cybernetic limbs are holding you back. Yeah. <laughs> they're 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 they won't help you at all. <laughs> no. Well, no. <laughs> what but I skin wa- and bone will. 
Yeah, what I want to know is if Cyborg has a limit with his cybernetic parts, why the hell is he working out to begin with? Yeah. Well, I mean, he can't tone the mechanical muscles because if he could, then they'd get stronger and he would get stronger. Yeah. So why the hell is he working out except to illustrate whatever lame point they were going for? You know, that, which I which I guess was just supposed to be try harder. When you think you know your limits, you don't. I don't know. Whatever message was here, like I said, you can see it, but it's it's not, I don't think entirely clear what it is at the same time. Yeah, you honestly, know. I I got to tell you, if if you're, like, lifting weights and you're starting to, like, I guess, uh, lose strength or you're starting to lose your, uh, just your stamina, the person who is your spotter is supposed to help you get the weight off <laughs> right. immediately. Yeah, yeah. But everybody is there, especially Robin. They're all like, no, you can do it, you can do it. Uh... No, <laughs> never, ever, ever do that. No, you don't. You might get the guy killed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, who would be able to lift that, help lift that weight off of him? This is true. <laughs> Considering it's probably like a gazillion tons, you know. But no, well, you're, Starfire you're pl- could blast it, and Raven could help lift it up. That's true. I mean, but you know, I'm, I'm not taking away from your point. I mean, what you said there is 100 percent accurate about the spotter really is there to save your life if need be. Um, why do cyborg episodes tend to suck? Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, I think we get a good one down the line, like where he's like the barbarian. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know which episode you're talking about. That is a good episode. If yeah, I from memory. that is that one just called Cyborg the Barbarian? I don't know. Okay, but yeah, from memory, that's a good one. But yeah, so far, cyborg episodes... Not doing so well, are they? <laughs> no. I think the, uh, I will give this episode one thing, though. I think where Cyborg is talking to himself is a Lord of the Rings reference. Oh, really? Where I think uh, so. Gollum is talking to himself, to his reflection. Hmm. I think yeah. that's what they were going for. I don't know. I might be wrong. I just thought it was him, you know, a visual way that could represent what was going on in his head. You know, I mean, he's torn. He's just had the shit kicked out of him, but he wants to save his friends, but he doesn't know what to do, and there's a side of him that does. I mean, I could see what you're saying but I'm not necessarily sure I buy into it all the same. Okay. Um, I think there might have been a reference to the Blackhawks, not the hockey team, <laughs> but the you know the Blackhawks from the World War II era. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a point where Raven is trying to cheer up Cyborg, and she doesn't even say anything, and he's just like, shut up or whatever. And then all of a sudden they cut to her in an airplane getting bombed, Mm-hmm. And there's a little logo on the side, and it's a raven, but it looks like the Blackhawks logo, again, just done as a raven. Um, that had to be some sort of nod to that. I, yeah. I gotta say, I laughed my ass off when they had the little anime-style little chibi character yeah. of raven floating down <laughs> like yeah, with a parachute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> um trying to think what else to say about this one i mean the stuff with the mechanic was just dumb and again just filler just to show us you know what a bad guy atlas is that he treats his lackey like shit well he's a lackey lackeys get treated like shit no duh and apparently atlas is like a douchebag on xbox live or something (laughs) yeah he's (laughs) like he's one of those 12 year olds who's like you're gay! I hate you! you know? Yeah, spouting off, like, 
gay and uh, racial slurs when they don't even really know what the hell they're saying. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, I love it. We see Atlas going around beating the shit out of people, and then all of a sudden he's he's in his lair just like, just chilling out, playing some games. Soul Calibur or something. (laughs) It's like like Derek Wyatt of East Gotham City (laughs) just got pwned. That was a great, I'm wondering, that had to be someone. That, oh, Derek I, White is one of the character designers. Oh, okay, okay. I knew it had to be a reference to someone or something. Because it's like, okay, that's that's too fucking funny, the way they added that in. I will give them that. But it's just so weird. Yeah, I just beat Cyborg, but I'm going to go back and chill and play some whatever. Who screamed? Sounded like something from the movie. Did we leave the TV on? We did not. And the movie is right here. Okay. That's creepy. The storm probably just tripped a circuit breaker. (gasps) Okay, Beast Boy, you got us. Good one. Uh, dude? Next up is Fear Itself. Uh, In this one, a new villain called Control Freak starts attacking a video store by causing electronics and other random inanimate objects to come alive in horrible ways with some kind of magic remote control. And uh, the Titans arrive, and Control Freak is like, oh, my old arch nemesis sees (laughs) the Teen Titans. Beast Boy's like, yeah, who is this schmuck? (laughs) So Control Freak introduces himself, but Raven, of all people, makes fun of him. And Control Freak uh, causes the video drop box to come to life and attack her, and she looks legit scared. And this is important because this is a theme throughout this episode. Uh, So Control Freak causes all kinds of things around the video store to come to life, including candy, cash registers, and even a cardboard cutout of a samurai. And uh, I got to say, this is pretty funny. Because Cyborg ends up eating the candy to defeat it, and then he just gets just horribly sick and starts puking it all up. (laughs) And uh, Beast Boy is running away from another cardboard cutout of some weird, scary movie creature, and he's like, Look out! It'll eat your brains! (laughs) This is actually a really funny scene. Mm -hmm. Um, Eventually, the Titans, uh, they do defeat Control Freak by uh, getting the sprinklers to come on and shorting out all the electronics and stuff. And at the tower, uh, Robin puts the remote control in the evidence room and Beast Boy's like, Robin, get up here quick, emergency. And Robin hurries up and he's like, what, what? Give me a report. And uh, Beast Boy's like, oh, the report is you're not here for movie night. <laughs> and Robin's just all pissed off. And uh, uh, the Titans watch Wicked Scary a horror movie and cyborg is still sick from eating the evil candy (laughs) (laughs) and raven is still a little uneasy even though she won't admit it and uh after the movie ends everybody is just freaked the fuck out even raven and (laughs) she just puts her hood on and hides her face and again she won't admit that she's afraid and uh Later that night, uh, weird stuff like the events in the movie start occurring throughout the tower, and the weird, bizarre, scary creature appears right in the middle of their living room. And uh, Raven sees that her powers aren't working either, and she gets knocked out, and when this happens, the creature disappears. Uh, so the Titans wonder what the hell is going on, so 
they all split up. You know, Raven gets back up, and they uh, they split up to try and get some answers. Even though Beast Boy's like, "You can't split up. Don't you watch horror movies? They all the, the bad guy will take you all out one by one by one. Especially the, the comic relief guy, <laughs> the good looking comic relief guy. Yes, that, that, I couldn't remember the first part of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh god, what happens here? Uh, oh yeah, they start. They hear screams like a little girl coming through the hallways and I think they go into Beast Boy's room and it turns out to just be a wind-up symbol monkey. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, Raven uh, again insists that she doesn't do fear, but uh, at this point the creature appears again and starts chasing him. And uh, They do get away from it, but Beast Boy is ensnared by it and just disappears. <laughs> and they go to the evidence room where Robin sees that Control Freak's remote is right where he left it, so... Control Freak can't be behind all this nonsense that's going on. And uh, at this point, Robin seems to figure out what's going on, but before he can say what it is, he gets captured and dragged into a portal like Beast Boy. So the uh, three remaining Titans, they go search the basement, and Starfire is just freaked the fuck out, and she keeps seeing a bunch of creatures, and it turns out to be a bunch of very, very nasty creatures, and they just... Look, it looks like they eat Starfire whole. Mm-hmm. Um, Cyborg and Raven are now the only two left, and when Raven turns her back, Cyborg just suddenly disappears without a trace. And so Raven is left by herself, and she gets into an elevator, and she's just attacked by this po- uh, puddle of sludge. And when she gets out, uh, the creature reappears, and Raven runs, but she's cornered by it and all these creatures that got Starfire, and she just continues to say, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. But then she realizes, you know what? I am afraid. And then she she gets her powers back, and she starts fighting back, and she vaporizes all the creatures, and uh, the titans reappear. And Robin says, look, they were never really in danger. The creatures were never there. They were just illusions manifested in the form of Raven's fear that she kept denying. And when she accepted that she was afraid, she regained control of it, and everything stopped. And uh, that's, I think it's pretty much where the episode ends, am I right? Yeah, pretty much so, yeah. What were you thinking here? I think that a lot of little kids shit their beds. Yeah. After seeing this one. I mean, as an adult, it's not scary. But if I saw this as a little kid, I wouldn't be sleeping alone in my bed that night. I got to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I think in between the stuff uh, uh, Control Freak does in the video store, turning everything alive to teasing the little bits of the movie we see, seeing the Titans be afraid of the movie, and then everything that happens to the Titans throughout this episode, it's freaky. And when that that creature disrobes and it's got, like, mouths all all over its body, it's it's fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is a really good scarier kids episode. If you've got kids, show them this on Halloween night. I'm talking like, you know, six year olds, you know, seven or eight year old probably wouldn't find this too scary. But yeah, if you want to, if you're, you know, if you really want to scare your five or six year old, if that's how you get (laughs) off, if that's how you get your kicks, yeah, show them this, you know, and then uh, while you're at it, um, I don't know, show them the exorcist and poltergeist and just really fuck with their heads. And then when they kill you when you sleep. You know, you'll know why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, and then don't forget murder set pieces. Throw that one in, too. Oh, oh, God. That's not scary. That's just 
brain numbing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what were you thinking of this one? I like, I really do. I mm-hmm. like this one. I, I, I would watch this one anytime. I, I love the control freak scene. It, yeah. It's just hilarious from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I remember when we were doing the emails, I mentioned that uh, an episode is going to further prove that Teen Titans is in continuity. Yeah. The movie Wicked Scary is referenced in the Justice League Unlimited episode Wake the Dead. <laughs> and I know this because Dwayne McDuffie said that this was his way of making a semi-crossover with the JLU. Suck it. <laughs> I was going to drop that. <laughs> you said it last time. I know, so I was my... going to drop it in, so I'm glad you did it. Awesome. <laughs> oh, nice. Very nice. Because I'm not sure if I've seen Wake the Dead, so that's why earlier... No, I know you haven't because you've yeah. said uh, a couple times in the past you haven't seen that one yet. Right, so that's why earlier when you said there was a reference or that, that tied it all together, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, okay, nice, nice catch there, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. that gets this episode another point just in <laughs> of itself. Yeah. Um, but I, I do have to call into question one thing. In the evidence room, we see Puppet King's controller, mm-hmm. but it was clearly destroyed in Switch because it fell into the flame of Pytar. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe they just made a Mach 1 just to symbolize the battle with him. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I could see Batman doing something like this, so (laughs) who knows? (laughs) Well, the thing I'll call into question with this episode is Raven is scared of an animated video store drop box. Like that, that garbage can drop box thing starts chasing her. And she's looks really scared of it. It's Raven. She's a demon. Her dad's the devil. She's fought aliens and monsters and whatever. Forces and, of nature. <laughs> yeah, and she's backing down from a box that stores videotapes. Really? Okay, okay <laughs> that, that seems a little weird. I mean, I understand what they were going for in the episode, that Raven had to be showing fear throughout... So this way, when we get to the end, we're like, oh, yeah, she really was scared throughout the episode. But they, in that scene, they probably should have had the cardboard cutout chasing her of the wicked scary guy. Yeah. And not the, the garbage can or drop box or whatever it was. I really feel that was a mistake. A point-off worthy mistake? Probably not. But something that needed to be pointed out nonetheless. Yeah. I definitely... As soon as Beast Boy was like, it'll eat your brains! <laughs> That's when... Raven should have shown the fear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but no, you said it earlier. I just love when the candy's trying to eat Cyborg, and he's like, you want to eat Cyborg? Cyborg's going to eat you! And then he's all sick and shit, and then later on, Starfire's all like, does anybody want the sugary sweet snacks and the buttered popcorn? He's just like, blah! Yeah. <laughs> I, loved, I, I loved what Beast Boy like was looking at one of the... Um, Video, either the videotapes or one of the cardboard cutouts that wasn't alive, and he's like, "No way! It had a this movie had a sequel." Yeah. And Control Freak just stands up and he's like, "Yeah, I know, it's awesome, isn't it?" And then Beast Boy's like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And then doesn't he turn that thing alive, whatever they were looking at? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think Control Freak, Control Freak, pardon me, is the best villain and best foe in the world. But they use him the right way. He's not really to be taken seriously right here, you know? I mean, the, the foe of this episode is Raven. Yeah. You know? Control Freak gets things running, and I think the scene with him lasts the appropriate length. Um, 
And then they still tease it like he might be the big foe. But, you know, I, I think they did good with him here. In future episodes, we'll see what happens. But here, it was a good introduction. It shows you how mental he is, where he's like, it's my old nemesis. And then they're all like, who the hell is this guy? You know? Yep. <laughs> it really shows you that he wants to be more important than he is without outright using those words. Um yeah, I, again, this isn't a one that's going to get, like, from me at least, you know, a 9 or a 10. But this is one that I have actually thrown in for fun. I did it real recently, probably about two weeks back, as a matter of fact. Because, um, you know, it's a Raven-centric episode. It's scary, and it's just cool. And I think it's really animated well, too. Yes. With with all the monsters. and As you said, the the rat things eating star and yeah. yeah that was the most gruesome thing in this episode period. yeah the way that monster was drawn with all the mouths is awesome it's yeah really good stuff uh we're gonna need backup we're on our way don't bother even if you defeat a few of my children you won't be able to stop me from releasing the entire swarm <gasps> unless you want your city reduced to a moth-eaten wasteland you'll do exactly as i say what do you want? My demands are simple. The city will declare me ruler, the Teen Titans will surrender, and Robin will take this lovely young lady to her junior prom. Hi, Robbie Pooh. Um, what was that last part again? And last up today is Date with Destiny. In this one, the team, they are chasing around, uh... A, a guy who has a giant spider for a head. Um, right? That's how this one starts. Yeah. And uh, they're chasing him around. He's like a jewel thief or something. And then all of a sudden, we cut to Killer Moth being all Killer Moth. And mwah I'm evil. And uh, upstairs, this little girl that he calls Kitten uh, calls him. And he goes up there. And he's like, what's wrong, Kitten? And she's like... My stupid ex-boyfriend, Fang, broke up with me. Blah! Now I'm not going to get to go to the prom. And he's like, he has, clearly has no clue how to be a parent. He's all like, oh, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> there, uh, there. Yeah, yeah. And she, she's like, no. He, she, he's like, you'll find someone. And she's like, the prom's tomorrow. I don't know what to do. you got to get me someone. And I know who I want. And it's very clear she wants Robin. So... Uh, Killer Moth, he ends up breaking through on this. No, 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 I think he set some moths out on the city or something. Um, why don't Star and Robin go? Or do um, they go, like, what happens there? Because the other three are fighting the things. Well, Robin gets paralyzed. Oh, uh, by Fang's venom, that's right, yeah. yeah. And Starfire takes him back to the base to straighten him out. Oh, ho, oh, oh. So, uh, <laughs> considering what's going on in this episode, hmm. Yes. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so she takes him back there, and that's when Killer Moth comes on the screen, and he's like, oh, if this city doesn't bow before me, and if the Titans don't break up, and if Robin doesn't date this girl, then I'm going to release all these moths on the city. And Robin's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. What was that last part? And Moth's <laughs> like, yeah, you got to take this little girl to, to, to the junior prom. And Robin's like, uh, no. <laughs> And and Raven, or not Raven, excuse me, Starfire starts to get really jealous because the little girl starts calling him, like, Robbie Pooh. And all of a sudden, Starfire's like, Robin, why did she 
call you poo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, so, uh, you know, he, you know, again, Moth reiterates, if you don't do this, I'm going to release these moths on the city. And what we're seeing when we see the other three Titans fighting the moths is that, that is that the moths are winning. I mean, they're, they're giant moths. They're eating everything. They're chewing the cables on bridges, cars, bridges themselves, the roads. They cannot stop these things. So Robin pulls uh, Star aside and he's like, look, I do not want to go out on this date with this girl, but I have to, and I am sorry. So uh, Robin agrees. Uh, Killer Moth calls off his Killer Moths. Um, but Robin then, you know, he, get, he gets gussied up in a, in a tux to, to, to go out, and he tells them all, look, we need to figure out what the connection is between this girl Kitten and Killer Moth. And if we can figure that out, then we can find Killer Moth, find his lair, stop his moth, so on and so forth. We win. Yay. So Robin goes to the boat, the yacht, where the Junior Prime is going to be held, and uh, Starfire shows up in a very pretty gown. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, two things. One, I'm going to keep an eye on you because you might need saving. Two, you said that, you know, we should investigate this kitten girl. And what better way than to, well, actually investigate her where she is. And that's going to be on this boat. So, you know, Kitten shows up and she's all like, oh, Robin. She's just making a show of the fact that she's dating Robin. Uh, we find out why later on. And Starfire's just pissed from start to finish about this whole thing. So jealous. And uh, they get on the boat, and, you know, Robin's just sitting there not doing anything, clearly not enjoying himself. And she's like, dance with me. And he's like, no. And she's like, well, maybe we could just, no, no, no. Then she's like, well, if you don't, you know, my daddy's going to release the moths on the city, blah, blah, blah. She's like, or we could just get straight to the kissing. And he's like, okay, let's dance. So they start dancing. Uh, what the hell happens? Uh, Starfire's making punch. People ask for punch. It blows up at them because she's all pissed. Um, uh, eventually it's revealed that Kitten is actually controlling the night. She's got a trigger in her hand. Uh, the other Titans, they end up going to the Brady household. No joke, it actually looks like the Brady Bunch yeah. house. They uh -huh. find all the moths in cages and pens in the basement, and they don't know what to do. Um... For whatever reason, Kitten ends up triggering the device. All the moths come out, and Raven tells everybody at the Brady Bunch house, look, we have to keep them contained. So they're trying to do that as the moths are just flying around them, even threatening to eat them. I guess at that point, Robin's all like, you know, I, I'm not going to kiss you. I, I don't even like you. We know where you live, so I'm not going to do with, deal with this shit anymore. That, uh, that might have been actually when she pulled the trigger. Uh, what happens? She and Starfire get into a fight. Who does Robin end up fighting? Is it Killer uh, Moth? Fang. Fang, that's right. Yeah, Fang shows up, and Fang turned out to be the spider guy. Um, and, you know, this is why Kitten was all showboating with Robin. She was trying to get word to him that she was dating Robin, thus making him jealous. So they get back together. They share a very creepy kiss. Because, um, you know, he's a spider and she's human. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah there, there's a big old fight. Um, you know, the, the the Titans save the day, and Robin ends up, like, breaking, you know, stepping on the little trigger device that she was holding, turning all the moths back into just, like, larvae or maggots or something. Maggots, yeah. You know, Beast Boy wants to keep one of them because he thinks it's all cute. This will come back because it actually ends up being Silky, I think is its name. Mm -hmm. um, Starfire's uh, maggoty creature -y thing. Um, and, you know, everybody else is 
taken away in the, in the vans, uh, the bad guys, that is. And uh, Robin and Starfire, they're still on the boat, and Robin looks at Star, and she, you know, he's like, how about one more dance? And uh, they dance as the sun comes up. So did I miss anything? I know that was a little jumbled, but I think I hit most of it. I'm thinking you should have done that review in the stoner Mike voice. Oh, my God. What what the fuck was this episode? I mean, if this, ep- you know, this wasn't so geared towards uh, a younger crowd, my God. I would have graded this even lower than I already am. <laughs> what the fuck was this episode? <laughs> you got this guy with a spider for a head, and and he's, like, dating the daughter of Killer Moth. <laughs> Did Killer Moth, like, create him? Um, I mean, I, that's kind of what I was thinking. I, and why was this this spoiled, rotten brat dating a guy with a spider for a head? Why Robin of all people after that? I mean, it's just, that was random. And then there's a massive, uh, animation flub on the yacht when Robin rips the tux off and ma- his gloves and shit magically appear on his hands. And that was just going for the anime style. I guess. It was just weird. No, because if you look, when he pulls the tux off, there's little tabs or something on the tux as if it was supposed to be like a suit for like a paper doll. And earlier, when they were in the control room, and, you know, Starfire doesn't realize what a prom is. She's like, this is a duel, yes? And she takes off her glove, and she slaps the screen, but somehow hits Kitten in the face. The glove, not only does it have her gauntlet still on it, but there's the flesh from her arm and her hand, (laughs) too. So, I think they were just going with that crazy, over-the-top anime style there. I I really can justify that, yeah. Okay. I guess. I what were you thinking? Um, I think this one is stupid but fun. Um, you know. Oh, I mean, I'll admit, I I laughed when Starfire was ranting about how awful this prom idea was. Yeah, yeah. This is atrocious, awful, terrible—just every <laughs> adjective you can name. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I love Killer Moth with his daughter. He clearly doesn't know how to be a parent, and this is going to come back in the one where Silky actually, you know, becomes a permanent member. Of the of the Titans, I don't want to say team, but of their residency, you know, when he, when when the Killer Moth is trying to get Silky back, he's like, "Come here, Larva five four one three nine. Come here. Who made you in a test tube? You know, <laughs> he clearly has no clue. So that was good. Um, let's see. Uh, there's a great little gag when Starfire goes nuts and she yells at Robin, and his hair turns into like classic Dick Grayson hair. Um, I think there's some pretty good dialogue in this one where uh, someone says, I think it's Fang is like, keep your hands off my girl. And then Robin gets hit and Starfire is like, keep your keep your legs off my boy. Like, oh, oh, yeah, she, she's clearly staked her claim in him. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Robin had a really good Batman moment where uh, he reveals to Kitten that the jig is up and he doesn't have to be with her anymore. And he says, Killer Moth is being taken down as we speak. We're done here. And just the way it's delivered, the way it's written, I could really see Batman saying that exact same line to someone. He was tricked or forced into helping. Um, So I like that little nod towards his mentor. Um, There's the moment where Starfire shows another bit of jealousy and she's ranting about Kitten. And she's like, she certainly is ugly like a monster. Yes? 
You know, I mean, because that, that's a thing people do. Damn it, you're making me enjoy this episode. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's it's absolutely a dumb plot, but it doesn't take itself seriously at all. And, you know, it has these kind of bright, bright moments in it. You know, again, would I throw this one in for fun? No. But I'm really not going to change the channel, you know, if this one's on, I'll sit down and go, oh, okay, it's this one. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, here's what I want to know, though. Uh-huh. How do two people who don't attend the school get elected prom king and queen? <laughs> and for that matter, who voted for them? Everybody fled the ship. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think it was those two people who got frozen, you know, who got venom oh, yeah. or whatever. They, they just put the, they just were like, yeah, they can do it. Because they can still talk, you know. <laughs> so I guess they voted for them. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was the DJ. It was like, hey, no one else is on the boat. It must be those two, you know? Was Killer Moth wearing the Hannibal Lecter mask in the, the yeah, uh, paddywhack? Yeah, it looked like it, didn't it? Yeah. I, I, I just don't have anything else to say about this one because, again, I can't claim, you know, that this is a great episode, but I can claim that I have fun with it. I, I had my spiel, so. Yeah. Uh, I I know. I can't disagree with what you're saying there because, again, I started laughing with all the shit you were mentioning. Damn it. Ha <laughs> um, Anything else, or should we just get to our scores? I guess we'll just go to the scores before I start enjoying this anymore. <laughs> okay. What are you going to give How Long Is Forever? Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. It was like I think your, your main gripe with the episode is absolutely justified. Mm-hmm. But it's still a very good episode. Very cool. Yeah, and uh, that's going to get a 7 from me as well. Every dog has his day. I actually bumped this up from a 5 to a 6 during our during our discussion of it. Yeah, I think that's going to get a 6 from me. Um, Tara? Uh, that one's going to get an 8 from me. I really, really enjoyed it. You know what? I mean, during the review, it's you know, I was kind of harsh on it at points, but uh, it's still going to get a 7 from me. You know, like I said, nor- I know normally I like that one, but for whatever reason, this time around, it wasn't doing it for me, but I'm not going to let my grade reflect that. I'm going to keep it sort of hi- sort of high, you know. Well, not that seven's high, but you see what I'm saying, you know. Mm-hmm. Only human. Three. <laughs> um, <laughs> on another day, I might give it a two. Yeah, I'm going to go with a three on that one as well. Fear itself. Uh, at eight, it's yeah. just it, enjoyable as all hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and you know, and it's it's in continuity. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, an eight, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, date with destiny. I bumped this up two points from a three <laughs> to a five, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, that's get that gets a six from me. It's good to see you again, Robin. I haven't used that name in a long time. Call me Nightwing. Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. earth-2.net slash store. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss six more episodes of Teen Titans. Those being Transformation, Titan Rising, Winner Takes All, Betrayal, 
Fractured and Aftershock. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast.